In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Christ is in our midst. Thank you. Today is another most blessed day in the Holy Orthodox Church. It's the it's the commemoration of the day that Saint Joseph the Hesychast reposed. And I know many of you have read his writings and have fallen in love with him, Saint Joseph the Hesychast. It's also a very precious day for us in our holy community because it's the commemoration of Saint Moses the Ethiopian. And I asked last night after Vespers, why is this a special day? Why is the commemoration of St. Moses special for us here at St. Paul? And someone rightly said, because he's awesome. And I said, that's right. He is awesome. That's not the answer I was looking for, but that's a good answer. But it's because, as many of you know, and as you probably noticed as you came in, we, have, we hold here a, a relic of St. Moses, who was a 4th century monastic. And I would like to share with you about him, because I think I was telling everyone last night, and I mentioned it when we received the blessing of many relics last fall, that while it's a blessing, it's also a warning to us. When God grants us the grace of the presence of the saints, when he blesses us with their very presence among us. It's also because to bolster us, to prepare us for something that we're going to need support with. And I think with time, the presence of each and every one of them, the meaning of their presence in our community will be revealed. And so I would like to share with you about the life of St. Moses. I think we should get to know each of these saints who have chosen to be here with us. So you'll notice just there's a little container on the icon over on the stand over here. Um, a little container just holding a fragment of St. Moses' bone. So from the life of St. Moses, I want to read a little bit and just share some reflections. He lived during the 4th century and he was an Ethiopian, so we call him St. Moses the Ethiopian. And when he was young, he was a slave to an important man. But... He was a very violent and unruly slave. And after he committed a murder, he was banished. And he became um, the leader of a band of robbers. Because of his bad character and his massive physical strength, they chose him as their leader. Moses and his band of brigands were feared because of their many evil exploits, including murders and robberies. People trembled at the mention of his name. Lock your doors. You know, you hear the name. Lock your doors. Moses is in town. Moses the brigand spent several years leading a sinful life. But through the great mercy of God, he repented. He left his band of robbers and went to one of the desert monasteries. Here he wept for a long time begging to be admitted as one of the brethren. The monks were not convinced of the sincerity of his repentance, but the former robber would neither be driven away nor silenced. He continued to implore that they accept him. He was completely obedient to the abbot and the brethren. 
And he poured forth many tears of sorrow for his sinful life. After a certain while, St. Moses withdrew to a solitary cell where he spent his time in prayer and the strictest fasting. Once four of the robbers of his former band descended upon the cell of St. Moses. He lost none of his great physical strength when he became a monk. So when they converged upon his cell, he easily grabbed them, all four of them. He tied them up, throwing them all four over his shoulders. And he brought them to the monastery. Having become a monk, he was no longer a man who, would, who could exercise violence upon another human being. So he didn't know what to do with them. So he brought them to the church. And he laid them down in the church. And he asked the elders what should be done with them. The elders of the, church, of the monastery said that they should be set free. And the robbers learning that they had chanced upon their former ringleader and that he had dealt kindly with them, followed his example. They repented and became monks. I like to think of it in this way. If he could be saved, then maybe we could too. Someone that bad? Someone like we followed him all the way. He knew the, he, he knew the directions to hell. And we were following him there. And if someone who know, knew the directions to hell so well now knows the directions to heaven and is headed there, maybe we can follow him there too. St. Moses was not quickly freed from the passions. He spent years and years becoming an expert at sinning. Years and years. And so someone who has become an expert at sinning does not automatically become an expert at virtue. The grace of God does not always and automatically extract the poison from you, but teaches you the manner in which the poison can be extracted. Not enough to know that you're sick, but you have to do your physical therapy. You have to undergo the process of healing. He sought advice on how to be delivered from the passions of profligacy, and he particularly had thoughts of fornication that were plaguing him so much so that he almost gave up. He started to question whether or not he could be saved, whether or not he could become a friend of God, the one who had done such terrible things. It being experienced in the struggle, the elder taught him never to eat too much food, to remain partly hungry while observing the strictest restraint. And he also said something very interesting, which I want to read from the Synaxorian the lives of the saints. The elder said, he must not be surprised at having to face such violent battles. Don't be surprised that you're facing such violent battles as a hardened sinner is like a dog in a butcher's shop that is used to gnawing bones and cannot give up the habit unless people stop giving it bones or close the shop. In the same way, it's not enough for the sinner to stop committing the sin. The bad habit must be driven away by the good habit of virtue, along with the mortification of the flesh over many years. And then it says the demon in despair at seeing himself thus deprived of the means of arousing impure desire 
in the heart, gave up his struggle. The demons want us to give up our struggle to lose hope in God. But instead, when we double up and strengthen our hope in him, and we realize that there's a means of healing, a means of salvation, then they give up. They give up. They know that they've already lost. The Abba taught him how to pray. He stood throughout the night often in prayer so that he would not fall asleep. In a vision, the elder showed him many demons in the west prepared for battle and in the east still a greater quantity of holy angels also ready for fighting. Abba Isidore explained to Moses that the power of the angels would prevail over the power of the demons. And in the long struggle with the passions, it was necessary for him to be completely cleansed of his former sins. Say Moses drove himself to additional labors, making the rounds of the wilderness cells at night. He carried water to the well of each brother. He did this especially for the elders who lived far from the well and were not easily able to carry their water. Once kneeling over the well, St. Moses felt a powerful blow upon his back, and he fell down at the well like one dead, lying there in that position until dawn. Thus did the devils take revenge upon the monk for his victory over them. In the morning, the brethren carried him to his cell, and he lay, he lay there crippled for a whole year. After he recovered, the monk, with a firm resolve, confessed to the abbot that he would continue his ascetic struggles, but the Lord himself put limits to his toil, which lasted for many years. The Abba blessed his disciple, Abba Isidore, blessed him and told him that his passions had left him. The elder commanded him to receive the holy mysteries and to go to his own cell in peace. And from that time, St. Moses received from the Lord power over the demons. Accounts about his exploits spread among the monks and even beyond the bounds of the wilderness. We heard this story last night that a governor wanted to go see the saint. And when Moses heard that he was going to be visited, he ran to try to escape attention. And say Moses said, encountering them on the road, said, go no further to see this false and unworthy monk. The servants returned to the monastery where the governor was waiting. And they told them the words of the elder they had chanced to meet. And... The brethren, hearing the description of the elder's appearance, told them that they had encountered St. Moses himself. It says that the governor went away edified after having experienced that. Through humility, he considered himself unworthy of ordination. Once the bishop decided to test him, and he bade the clergy to drive him out of the altar, reviling him, and in all humility, he accepted the abuse. And having put him to the test, the bishop then ordained him. He was a deacon and then a priest. And he labored for 15 years in this rank and gathered 75 disciples around himself. When he reached the age of 75, he warned his monks that soon brigands would descend upon the skeet and murder all those who remained there. The saint blessed the monks to leave in order to avoid violent death. The disciples begged the saint to leave with them, but he replied, For many years now I have awaited the time when the words spoken by my master, 
the Lord Jesus Christ should be fulfilled. All who take up the sword shall perish by the sword. After this, seven of the brethren remained with St. Moses, and one of them hid hid nearby during the attack of the robbers. The robbers killed St. Moses and the six monks who remained with him. Their death occurred about the year 400. So we're blessed to have the presence of St. Moses as a precious intercessor for our community. And there are so many things, so many things we could, lessons we can learn from his life. One of the things that I was contemplating during the Orthros this morning was just that the, the purpose of the church, the, the church isn't just a place for the preservation of piety. Not just a place so that we can say the sinners are over there and we're, and we're here. That's not the purpose of the church at all. That's why we love to use the example of the church as a hospital. And of course, you hear the Lord. What did he say? I, it's not the, those who are well who need a doctor, but those who are sick. And if you read the lives of the saints, you surely will find people who started at a young age living a very godly and pious life. And they just kind of continued on that trajectory. But they always saw themselves as lower than everyone else. Isn't that interesting? They never said, yes, I've been godly my whole life and I'm soaring far above you in the spiritual heights. They always considered themselves to be the least among the brethren and the servant of all in fulfillment of our Lord's example. And then throughout the lives of the saints, we find many, many, I call them unlikely ones. Unlikely But who are the ones who are likely to become saints and turn to Christ? Those who know what's at stake in separating themselves from Him. You heard the saying, you don't know what you you have until you've lost it. And in our temptation, we would be tempted to say, in my mistakenness, in my sin, in my many falls, I've separated myself from God to such an extent That he cannot even save me. That's one form of presumption. That's what the fathers called despair. And the greatest, the sin, the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is to say that God can't even save me. Another form of blasphemy is that I don't need to do anything. No effort is required of me. I can just sit back and relax and God will do all the work. But this is a place patently where the redemption of souls take place. The church is a place where those who have been violent and who have been subjected to the violence of the passions begin to exercise violence upon the passions and upon the devil. We live in a world that would say that the exercise of violence is the proof of one's power when you can subject others to your own strength or to your authority by stepping upon them and prevailing over them. But the saints can completely invert that. They reveal to us that the violence that shows the true power of the person is that which is given to us by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The violence that prevails over sin and selfishness, this violence we call asceticism, spiritual struggle. And we love the the words of 
from the Gospel of Matthew, our Lord said, The kingdom of God suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. So we're called in a way to be people of violence, but not in the worldly sense. And in the world, St. Moses' primary form of violence came in inflicting harm on others. You couldn't hear his name without trembling. That's quite an authority to have over people's lives. Sometimes people are like, here comes Father, stop talking. That's not the kind of authority I want to have in your life, really. Maybe, that's a good one sometimes, when the conscience is challenged. But they were afraid they would lock their doors, they would hide away, because he was able to successfully inflict harm on others, so much so that he was feared. And what greater power could man have than to cause others to fear him? Do not provoke his wrath, because if you do, you will not win. And we see that taking place in the world many times. Violence, which gives us a sense of control, but it's never enough. But in repentance, the kinds of violence, spiritual violence that we're talking about, in his life, they came in the form of humble repentance and prayer distrust of self, which is one of the starting points of the spiritual life. And the violence done here was with the passions as he struggled to put the old man to death. And he almost gave up. Another really important lesson from St. Moses and many of the saints is that we cannot do it alone. A man who had inflicted so much pain in his life, a consummate man of violence, first a consummate man of violence in the world, and then a consummate man of spiritual violence who had lived by the sword. In the end, he died by the sword humbly, but also a man who turned this, this fire on himself. One who would have been sealing his own condemnation became a source of healing and a witness to the saving work of God. And that's what can be done, beloved in Christ. For those who are not too proud to be healed, And that's why, regardless of where you're at in your struggle, if you sit down and talk to me, if you talk to any spiritual father with his salt, and you tell him what he's struggling with, you tell him what you're struggling with, he'll never say, you're beyond salvation. He'll never gasp at the the atrocities that you've done. I told someone recently, it's not my role in your life to be disappointed in you as a spiritual father. It's not my, that's not my purpose to look at you and go, why did you, you know better than that. I know that you know better. That's why you're talking to me. Like the fact that you're here saying it, that reveals that there's no other place for you to be in your struggle than right here, right now, admitting Now, where to go from there? That's the creative work that we're participating in by the grace of the Holy Spirit in the church. And if we don't know what to do next, well, there's always another service on the schedule. There's always, I mean, the church is so profound and genius in providing the, the foundation that we need. 
You think you can run until you've got your bear, until you can stand up straight, you know? But we want to hit the ground running on our way to heaven, but we have to get our foundation set. The church provides that, that ground that even a sick person can walk and stand on. And then where to turn to? The light. You start drawing near to the light. Christ who loves you, and you will be revealed as you draw closer to the light. But then the master physician will do his work to remove the rough edges, to soften what is hardened. He brings beauty out of desolation. And he wants to do that in our lives. If we're humble enough to admit that we are sinners, and that's, that really is the place of the saints in the church, is that they weren't just those who... had achieved moral purity and could hold it against other people, but who, who could patently say, even through their struggles, like St. Moses, I, I, I'm sinning, but I don't want to sin anymore. I don't want to. I don't want to do it anymore. And we're willing to work through it. So one of my questions for you for this week and for myself that I'll be bearing with me as I'm thinking about... Abba Moses this week in this teaching about violence in particular is in what ways does violence manifest itself in my life? In what ways is, is worldly violence my go-to? Do I exercise that false sense of authority that only reveals my own weakness in my attempt to exert power over others? So in what ways do I exert this false sense of violence? In what ways do I need to exert spiritual violence? in the ascetical life this week. Maybe you need to be violent on your, upon your laziness. You know what I mean? Maybe you need to be violent upon the exercise, violence upon the appetite this week and eat a little bit less. Maybe you need to exercise violence on hypocrisy. Maybe you need to exercise violence by mercilessly persecuting hypocrisy within yourself this week. In what ways... In what ways, Lord, should I exercise the right kind of violence, the right kind of power, and the right kind of strength so that I can overcome delusion and learn how to love, which is the, the goal for all of us, to love. So let that be a theme with you. In what ways am I exercising violence that I should not? And how can I divert that energy into holiness? I want to end just by reading a couple of hymns, short hymns that we sang last night. But they just grabbed me and inspired me so much I wanted to share them with you this morning. They come from the final verses about St. Moses during the Lord I Call and Great Vespers and the Apostica. And they go like this. Let us praise that great Ethiopian who in repentance stretched out his hand unto God. Let us laud that slave who gained emancipation 
from slavery of the flesh, that manslayer who slew the passions in himself, becoming a meek lamb and giving himself to be slain, that leader of a band of thieves who, like a new Moses, led his thieves to divine forgiveness and salvation. And let us cry to him, Rejoice, O Moses, our God-bearing Father, who could have foreseen in Saul who became Paul? Who could have foreseen Saul who made havoc of the church of Christ, the apostle of the nations? And who could have foreseen the change of heart wrought by grace in Moses the Ethiopian? He that once was a dwelling of demons is become a temple of the Trinity. He that once was the enemy of all men now embraces all in his, in his prayers unto God. O Moses, great were thy crimes of old, but greater thy repentance before the Lord. Intercede with him to save our souls. May we follow his example and have his holy prayers. Amen.